At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. You can also find us at SportsGarden.com. Go check us out over on YouTube. It's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, over on YouTube. Well, guys, then there were four. That's right. There's four teams remaining in the NFL season. We're going to check it out this weekend and see who's going to the big game, who's going to the Super Bowl. Kansas City and Cincinnati, Philadelphia and San Francisco all vying to advance to Super Bowl 57. Guys, we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into both of these matchups. I'm going to absolutely break them down. We also have a lot of other NFL news rumors and things of that nature. So some big-time quarterbacks back in the news, and I expect that they will be again another offseason. We're following Rodgers and Brady. So we'll touch on that if we have time. But this is just breaking down these two huge games. I'll give you some prop plays during it that I definitely lean towards. And this might be a good weekend for prop plays, guys. I looked at these two games, okay, from a non-handicapper's aspect. My first glance is that these are two really good matchups. These are two matchups that I believe if you played 10 games between the Bengals and Chiefs, it would be a 5-5. Five and five. I believe if you play 10 games, Niners-Eagles, 5-5. Five and five. They are the four best teams in the league. They had a combined 59-14 and 14 record, guys. Okay, so when you look at that from a non-handicapper's aspect, take away point spreads, take away everything, you're going, yeah, kind of coin flip games. We could go through it and we're going to break down each game where you have advantages here, slight advantages there, but we're talking about slight advantages. There's nothing that jumps off the table here that skews one way or the other. There's nothing that jumps off the table here that says, okay, that's a massive advantage in any way. Now, you could look at this, and you could look at these games from your perspective team's eyesight, right? From your your team, and you go, well, we have an advantage here. Or maybe you're, you're a pessimistic fan. You say, ah, that's a disadvantage for us on that side. You'll find spots where somebody that's a real, real fan of the team will find spots that maybe they can exploit. But the reality is it's paper thin. 
it's paper thin. I mean, when you look at this, it is not exactly a situation where, okay, this team should be favored by by so much. And the, look, the spreads represent that, right? I mean, the spreads represent exactly what we're talking about. They're both about a field goal spread or less. This is going to be an absolutely fantastic weekend. Look, I hope that it comes to fruition on the field as much as I'm hyping it up to be, but I think it will. Now, from a handicapper's aspect, what you start to try to look at is you start to try to see, okay, I got to play situations, right? Situational football here. I told you guys last weekend, we talked about it the whole time. I said there was six games last weekend. Six games. Five went over. The last game went either under by half a point you pushed or you went over, right? So you could add six overs. And I said the public is already all over. And we talked about this last week, guys, at nauseum. So the public is already on all the overs. Public loved all the overs. I said, watch out, guys, because the unders look good. What happened? Under, 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 under city last week. So as a handicapper, it's not only just about enjoying these games and saying, hey, on paper, these are two pretty good matchups. You have to kind of outthink the sports books, outthink what the public's going to do. Try to get yourself in that mindset. And that's how you can find advantages. Look, if this was week seven, eight, nine of the season, I would be able to find spots for you and say, okay, this looks like a, a, a mismatch. This is a, an advantage here. Maybe the books are missing this. Potentially the public is overlooking that spot. We're, we're down to the nitty gritty. I mean, guys, you know, you have got to be really careful. I talk about this all the time with the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the biggest questions I get asked when I tell people, they say, what do you do for a living? I say, professional handicapper. Almost always one of the first questions they come out is, oh, well, what do you like on the Super Bowl? I, I usually don't like the Super Bowl. I mean, I just, I, I usually don't. I play small in the Super Bowl. I take a side maybe, maybe a total. Usually I like the total a little bit more. And I clean up on prop plays. I absolutely clean up on prop plays. But we're talking about one game, the most bet game that will be out there all year long it's hard to kind of get the advantage. And now here, we only have two games. Up until this point in the season, these are going to be the two most heavily bet games. Everyone's going to be in on them. So the lines are going to be close. The lines are going to be tight. They're going to be good lines. Let's give the the bookmakers credit for what they do. They're going to be good lines. So when we sit back and we talk about the game itself, each one of these games, I'm going to give you areas where you could exploit. I'm going to give you positions here that you could exploit, but understand that these are good games. And I'm telling you now, before I go into them, they can go either way. There's a lot of variables, but these games are going to be real close. And I think for the fan, that's exactly what we want. Well, let's get right to it. The Niners and Eagles. Guys, we've talked about this for it seems like months now that these were basically the two trending teams that were the best in the NFC. And make no mistake, they were the best in the NFC. San Francisco finishes at 15-4. and four. They've been an absolute juggernaut since Christian McCaffrey came over. And let's be honest, look, even before that, you could start, start to see if San Francisco was going to be healthy, this was going to be the team. In the preseason, we talked about it. I thought that San Francisco was going to have some quarterback problems. I didn't love the fact that this team couldn't stay healthy, but I, I did give you guys before the year that Joey, um, I'm sorry, not Joey, that Nick Bosa was going to win defensive MVP, uh, player of the year, absolutely, and we took the plus money there. It looks like he's going to take home that award, and their defense is for real. You gotta like Shannon and what he does. I mean, it, it, there are detractors there. There are big game questions there, but overall, you have to like everything that he does. This team is multifaceted. 
between Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Eli Mitchell and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, when their offense is rolling, you just don't know who to double cover. And if you double cover anybody, they have areas where they could exploit. Now, could Trey Lance do that? Uh, It's not fair to say no, but he did lose one of the games that he played. Could Jimmy Garoppolo do that? Well, look, he brought this team to a Super Bowl, but generally speaking, he didn't play with Christian McCaffrey, so we don't know if he could have, but Brock Purdy certainly can. Brock Purdy absolutely has done that. Philadelphia, meanwhile, 15-3. and This is a another team here. Number one overall seed. Maybe they didn't get the credit they deserved for most of the year, but here's another team that before the year we spotted here on the show. I gave you two team total overs before the year. I told you Philadelphia and Minnesota, both of them went way over. Philadelphia had the schedule set up. It was a light schedule. Really the big question here, uh, their defense was good. Their running game was good. They brought in uh, a huge weapon on offense uh, with to combine with Smith. It was going to get better in the second year. The real question here was exactly like the Niners. Can Jalen Hurts step up? Well, not only did Jalen Hurts step up, but going into week 15 of the NFL season, Jalen Hurts was the prohibitive favorite to win the MVP. Now, he fell off because he missed those last couple of games. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to take the award home, but it goes to show you exactly the growth that Jalen Hurts had this year and the growth that overall he almost had to make for this team to take that next step. You can maybe not love Nick Sirianni before this year, and I was one of those guys that I I said, I think he's a good coach. I wasn't sure he's a great coach. I'm still not sure he's a great coach, but he's a great fit for this team. I love that he came to the podium. I love that he was annoyed and kind of his PR guy or, or whoever whoever the guy for the PR guy for the Eagles was was kind of like, ah, ah, stop, because he was going off about how Jalen Hurts doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And Jalen Hurts has had his entire career where he doesn't get the respect. I mean, Alabama is still claiming this guy. They benched him. He went to Oklahoma uh, and people still are doubting him. Well, it's time to stop doubting him. So both of these teams have very good defenses. Philadelphia led the league in sack percentage. The San Francisco 49ers led the league overall in almost all defensive categories. When you look at this, this is defense against defense, or so it should be. But they are also mirror images of themselves when you come to up front on defense. Both of them have good secondaries, but they can be exploited at times if they get time. And you could kind of say that about any secondary. But their big position, well, get after the quarterback. Nick Bosa is that guy. I mean, look, he's the best defensive player in the league this year, and he probably is one of the top two or three defensive players in the league over the last since he really entered the league. And then you look at Philadelphia. They spent a massive amount of, of money, massive amount of capital just on pushing up front and getting to the quarterback. And it has worked. It has worked. Now, you can have a little success running against both these teams, but they're not just get-after-the-quarterback defensive lines. They are big, run-stuffing defensive lines as well. So their defenses sort of mirror each other. I mean, you could argue that the Niners were better, and they were statistically in most categories, but there have been... Uh, you know, little problem areas for the San Francisco Niners that maybe you could point out here and there. And I mentioned Seattle put up a bunch of points in the first half against them. Uh, You know, the Las Vegas Raiders were able to kind of move the ball overall. So these are things that you look at those film game films and you say, guys, as good as San Francisco was, and the best defense in the league, they did have bad occasions. You, You could take a step back. Then you look at Philadelphia and say, maybe there's notch below, but what they do, they do really well. And what they do in a game like this 
is really going to be important because Brock Purdy has never really faced immense pressure. We mentioned coming into last week that Brock Purdy had not faced a top defense all year long. Now, he faced Dallas last week, and Dallas's pressure is good. It's not as good as Philly, but it's good. And Brock Purdy played well. But they didn't put up these ridiculous points that they were putting up 30 points per game. So I think Philadelphia's defense is really designed really well to go up against and combat what San Francisco does offensively. Speaking of offenses, we talked about mirror image defenses. How about mirror image offenses for both of these teams? Offensively, both of these teams have good offensive lines. When healthy, Philadelphia has a better offensive line than San Francisco. I don't think anybody's arguing that. But I said specifically when healthy because Philadelphia has not been completely healthy pretty much all year long on the offensive line, specifically down the stretch here. A guy like Lane Johnson is just fantastic. Kelsey is a guy that, <laughs> look, he's this guy's putting together a Hall of Fame resume. It might be his last game. He's kind of playing on one leg in some of these spots, and he's still getting it done. So their offensive lines are good, but they are both run-first teams. They want to run the ball. And Jalen Hurts gives that added dynamic where he's a runner as well. So it's not just all Miles Sanders running it up the middle and, well, Boston Scott, hey, you New York Giant fans know that. Uh, by the way, Boston Scott last week, I told you guys, almost 5-1 to one to score a touchdown. He went all the way down to like 4-1 to one before kickoff, scored a touchdown. Uh, that is 9-9 nine for nine against the New York Giants. But, you know, they, they have different runners that could do things. And San Francisco has the same sort of thing. Yeah, you think about Christian McCaffrey running it up the middle and Christian McCaffrey being that guy. While they don't have a Jalen Hurts that could pop it outside and run, they do have different kind of aspects. Look, Debo Samuel around the corner and running and playing almost a running back position is a threat that they have to take care of. Eli Mitchell is the guy up the middle, but Christian McCaffrey is also the short pa passing yard. It may not go down in the book as a rushing play, but hey, a two-yard pass behind the line is the same thing as rushing play. So they both have dynamic rushing games that are multifaceted rushing, rushing games. And then you have the wide receivers. You have the tight end. Yes, Philadelphia has better wide receivers. I don't think anyone's arguing that, but Debo and Brandon Ayuk are really good one too. Kelsey's better than Goddard. Uh, who I like Dallas Goddard, but Kelsey's better than Goddard, and that adds that di dimension. You see that the offenses can go two, three, four, five deep here, which again alludes to the point that I brought up before. You can't really double team anybody, which leaves somebody open all the time. These are very close mirrored teams. They are very close mirrored teams in the style that they want to play. They are very close mirrored teams in defense, on offense, on special teams. The same thing. Robbie Gold is still going strong. He's clutch. Philadelphia has really good special teams, a kickoff team specifically. So you look at these two teams, and they are mirrored image. So how are we going to find some, some certain things? Well, if you're an Eagles fan, you're going, we have the advantage because Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy has never faced an NFC Championship game. Because Brock Purdy has never faced the defense that we're going to bring at him. And I brought that up last week. That's one of the reasons why I was afraid of San Francisco. I didn't take Dallas, but I was afraid of San Francisco laying that four because Brock Purdy had never faced that defense. But now he has. Now he's stared it down. Now he's faced that kind of defense. And Brock Purdy is 8-0 and is an NFL starter. I mean, that's what it is. Brock Purdy is 8-0. Okay? In those eight games, he's got three interceptions. Zero fumbles, three turnovers in eight games, guys. So yes, they don't come after him, and maybe he hasn't faced the pressure, but it didn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it just has not mattered. The Niners went 13 and 4 against a spread. They have covered 23 of 31 overall going back to last year. They are red out. They've covered 10 of the last 12, including covering both postseason games. So 
San Francisco doesn't only win, but they know how to cover. Brock Purdy would be the question mark that the Eagles fans are going, okay, we can exploit that. Because you're not going to stop the run with McCaffrey. You're not going to be able to stop the the short passing game, the tight end, the Debo Samuels, no. And you're not going to be able to get anything done really sustained on the offensive side of the ball against this dynamic defense. So what can you exploit? You can exploit Brock Purdy. But the San Francisco 49ers and their fans and their backers are looking at this and going, exploit Brock Purdy? What are you talking about? This guy has been absolutely fantastic. And yes, the numbers back up that he has. So you look at the other side of this. Okay, what can you exploit when you're talking about the Eagles? Well, maybe Jalen Hurts isn't 100%. Look, that, that, that was the question coming in. Maybe Jalen Hurts, or and, and let's say the offensive line, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe the offensive line is not 100%. But he looked pretty good last week, right? I mean, it looked good last week. The Giants are a team that can come after you. They looked good against the Giants as well. Philadelphia is now 6-2 and two against the spread in the last eight playoff games, so they do well there. They've covered the spread in seven of their 10 home games this year. I got down on the Eagles a lot this season when they are laying big money. And because, you know, all year they have not been really good at laying big money. We know the Texans game. We know the Jaguars game. They didn't cover. But they cover at home and they cover well. And this is not a big spread here. In their last 16 playoff games, you look at at Philadelphia – the under has ruled the day, and Philly is a team, and I think that when you get to this point in the NFC Championship, you have to start looking at unders. I just mentioned defense, defense. In Philadelphia, and in cold weather, and we're going into January, so you can tell me different teams. I'm giving you the outside stuff. The unders hit 12 of the last 16 home games, right? And in January, the last 28 matchups, 19 have gone under. The under have also cashed in four of the Eagles' last five games overall, and 15 of 21 um, for the Eagles. Look, the Eagles overall, the postseason specifically in Philadelphia in January, unders rule the day. Hey, maybe because it's bad weather, maybe because those rabid fans. I think it's a combination of all. The Niners, you want to talk about the Niners? Well, you know, you look at this and you go, well, going back to their playoff season, uh, seven straight road playoff games went under the total. And now this is a lot of the same Niners team. Five of their last six overall playoff matchups have gone under. San Francisco was 11-4 and four to the under this season against teams with a winning record going back to last year, 11-4 and four as well. So I see unders, unders, unders. I see both quarterbacks being the only thing that maybe the other team can kind of go up against. So we have to get to the nitty-gritty of this. And how much do you go on recent streaks? How much do you go on recent play or pass play? Look, the Niners have now been to the NFC Championship game three times in four years. They know this spot. Most of this team, take out Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey, but most of this team, the bulk of this, know how to play in this spot. Three times the last four years they've been in this spot in the NFC Championship game. Six of the last 12 years they've been in the NFC Championship game. The organization, the franchise, knows how to handle championship games. But, by the way, they have zero Super Bowl since 1994. But that's the experience level. The Niners have the experience. Shanahan has the experience. I know everyone's pointing to Brock Purdy, but the rest of the team knows how to play in this spot. They've been here before. They've been here recently before. They know what this brings. Philadelphia is known as almost the experienced team here because everybody looks at the Jalen Hurts against Brock Purdy situation, but Philly's in a new spot. Philadelphia, most of this team have never been in any kind of spot anywhere near this, and that's something to pay attention to. Nick Sirianni has certainly never been in this spot. This is going to be the biggest game he's ever coached in his career, not for Shannon, who went to a Super Bowl. This is going to be the biggest game that Nick Sirianni has ever coached in his career. That means something. This is going to be the biggest game Jalen Hurts ever played in his career. 
right? Uh, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, all the key players here. It's going to be their first rodeo. So you look at Philadelphia, you go, well, what advantage do they have? Well, I mentioned it before. The fans in Philadelphia, the home field advantage, and the number one overall seed. All of that has to play a role. I think this is going to be a really good game. I do. And it can get crazy. The offenses could explode. I could see A.J. Brown being a matchup nightmare. I could see George Kittle having a huge game. You want prop plays. If I'm going to go over the prop play, I think Kittle is now Brock Purdy's security blanket. Uh, McCaffrey's going to be juiced out of career. I mean, he's going to be juiced crazy. So forget about McCaffrey. But the rest of these guys, you look at this and you go, yeah, that, that's going to be a problem. Um, I, I'm, I'm just sitting back and I'm saying, you know, I, I think – that you have to look at this and say, uh, I, I think it's a, de- a defensive battle. I mean, you have to. You hear the trepidation in my voice. You hear it because I think it has to be a de- defensive battle. It has to be a defensive battle when you're talking about an NFC Championship game, cold weather in place, two quarterbacks, and two running games that want to kind of drain the clock. But the total has been put in a good spot here. I think we get a great game. Give me prop plays on George Kittle. I don't like the prop plays on McCaffrey because he's juiced up. Maybe a small prop play on Eli Mitchell, who's getting under the value of slotted value here, and he could be a big contributor. On the Eagles side of the ball, I don't really like any prop plays. I don't. Maybe a Dallas Goddard anytime touchdown when you get down close to San Francisco is going to be defending everybody, uh, and maybe they leave Dallas Goddard open. We've watched the tight ends go crazy here. But overall, I don't love the game. If you want a prediction from me, I'm leaning San Francisco, but I think I'm leaning San Francisco because I, I kind of want to see San Francisco. I kind of want to see the Brock Purdy experience and that story move on. Uh, but I'm leaning the under more than anything else here. But give me the prop, please, for this one. Okay, guys, lots more to do. When we come back, we're going to go over, check out the Bengals, Chiefs, dynamic mahomes Burrow matchup. All that and more right here on Wagering Week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? The New York Giants are out of the playoffs. Their head coach just won Coach of the Year. But that doesn't mean that they're going to stay together next year. I have the odds of where Saquon Barkley will sign if he leaves the New York Giants. Remember, this is if he leaves the Giants. Ravens are 4 to 1, Bills are plus 425, Broncos are 5 to 1, Jets are 6 to 1, Patriots 7 to 1, Cowboys plus 750, the Chiefs 8 to 1, Panthers and Saints are 9 to 1, Bears, Seahawks are 10 to 1, and the Cardinals are 14 to 1. 
That is what are the odds. Yeah, Barkley has all been gone from the Giants. I mean, everybody just assumes he's going to go, even though he's a massive part of this offense, because it's a league where people just overlook constantly the running back position. It's a very replaceable position. And I think that they don't believe that the Giants are one player away at this point, one running back away at this point. I don't see the Ravens doing this at all. I don't know how the Ravens are 4-1, to one, not with Dobbins and Edwards. And I get it. You know, guys are banged up. But I just don't see Barkley on the Ravens. The Bills make a lot of sense, plus 425. Make a lot of sense. But they just use draft capital on Cook. They they don't look at this as exactly the running game being the problem. I mean, Singletary was still effective. Broncos 5-1. to one. I don't get this when Javante Williams is coming back. Um, I think that they think he's the guy. The Jets at 6-1. to one, Oh, did, did Brees Hall die? I mean, what happened here? Cowboys plus 750. Now, Pollard's hurt. And, oh, by the way, Pollard is also uh, a free agent, probably not coming back. Unless now, because of the injury, they're able to bring him back. Zeke is eating up a ton of contract. I don't see them going back into a third running back in this spot. No. Chiefs 8-1. to one. Maybe that's intriguing for fantasy heads to kind of hope for. But I, I think that they feel like, okay, you know what? We, we have a good enough running game. Panthers 9-1 to makes a lot of sense. Foreman was great, but he's getting up there in age. They are a run-first offense. That makes a lot of sense, depending on who the quarterback's going to be there. Saints 9-1, to you're not doing that. You already have Kamara. Kamara's going to be fine. Bears 10-1. to I've heard a lot of rumors on the Bears. I don't get it. I think Khalil Herbert's ready to take over. If you want to, you could sign Montgomery at a lower rate. They ran really well this year. Seahawks 10-1, to why? Yeah, You have Walker. You're not going to do that. Cardinals 14 to 1 actually makes the most sense. If I was going to invest in anything here, the Cardinals at 14 to 1 make the most sense. Okay, guys, let's get to the main course and let's not beat around the bush here. The main course is certainly Kansas City, Cincinnati, the two best teams in the AFC battling it out. We get a rematch from last year. Kansas City's 14 and 4. They are the number 3 seed going to Kansas City, 15 and 3, the number 1 seed. We do not have to worry about neutral field advantage or any of that. 6.30 Eastern Time on Sunday. This is all over the place here, right? I mean, this is a problem um, where you look at the line and you go, man, we have seen some massive line movements early. Now, look, I'm recording this in the middle of the week, right? Um, And we have watched the line opened up at Cincinnati plus 120. You had Kansas City minus two and a half in some spots, but usually about minus one and a half or minus two, depending on where you looked. But it's all the way to Cincinnati minus 140 right now as the world loves Joe Burrow. The Chiefs are now plus money. The Chiefs are now plus two and a half. And let me tell you something, guys. The line is rising daily. I would not be surprised if we saw the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes at home in a playoff game, getting three, I don't think he gets to three and a half, getting three points by Sunday. Now, I have talked to people in this industry, talked to the bookmakers that believe, yeah, we can get to three and a half. It's possible to get to three and a half. I don't think that that, that gets there. But if you're a Chiefs fan, you're a Chiefs backer, wait. Because I do think that this can touch three. When it touches three, you slam it. Don't wait for the three and a half. Slam it. Because we may get some late money. Some late, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock money on Kansas City coming back the other way to bring it down right before kickoff. And you don't want to be left with that. Now let's get into the game itself. Okay, guys, the first thing we need to talk about in this game is Patrick Mahomes' injury. 
Okay, that that's going to be first and foremost. That's going to be paramount. It's a right ankle injury, injury. And I have numbers for when Patrick Mahomes has had injuries before. But before you get too excited, Chiefs fans, let me explain. Patrick Mahomes in week one in 2019 against the Jaguars, he suffered a grade one left high ankle sprain in that game. Threw for 378 yards, three touchdowns. Okay. Then this year against the Raiders in week two, he threw for 443 yards and four touchdowns, both right high ankle sprains. Okay. Coach Reed said this ankle sprain isn't as bad as 2019. So remember, okay, he's got two times that he had the same thing, two times that he has, well, one time that he had the the injury, but two weeks that he's had that, and he went absolutely off, absolutely crazy. Now, remember, it was 2019 Jags defense and the Raiders defense that was absolutely pathetic back in 2019. And it's not as bad, but I should say this. The right ankle injury is significantly more concerning than a left ankle injury, right? Especially for a right-handed quarterback. So how effective will Mahomes be? We have to go into this thing with the idea and the mindset that Patrick Mahomes is going to be okay. I mean, you have you cannot handicap this and think that you're going to get an advantage by understanding if Patrick Mahomes is okay or he's not, right? I mean, you're not going to get the advantage trying to be a medical doctor when you're not looking at the ankle. And even if you did, you probably wouldn't know because you are not a medical doctor. So we have to go into this as if Patrick Mahomes is okay. I'm not saying 100%. I'm saying okay. So when you do that, let's look at Kansas City. Look, Kansas City is now in the five, fifth straight AFC Championship game appearance for KC. This is the Kansas City Invitational at this point, right? It's the Arrowhead Invitational. It's the Andy Reid-a-thon, whatever you want to call it. The problem is, is that while we are looking at five AFC Championship games in a row, and that is massively impressive, all of them at home, massively impressive. KC did lose the first one. They did lose the fourth one. So they're 2-2 two and two here. 2-2 two and two at home in the playoffs in the AFC Championship game. Not exactly the ringing endorsement of home field advantage that you want. I will also say this. When you start talking about an ankle injury, and we are speculating on the degree and how bad it is, but when you start talking about an ankle injury and a high ankle injury or any kind of injury, you have to talk about the effectiveness of cold because guess what? It does get worse in the cold and what that brings. Well, the weather is supposed to be 15 degrees in Kansas City this weekend. On Sunday, that also that 15 degrees also carries 15 mile per hour winds. So this is a problem. Okay. Now we can look at the positives for Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, look, he is doing just remarkable things. He's averaging 108 yards per game in his last seven playoff games. He is the guy that if you have an ankle injury, or if you're not 100%, or if you're the checkdown guy, uh, Travis Kelsey, he may be the best all time at that, right? I mean, Gronk had one postseason game with 100 yards receiving. We're talking about averaging 108 yards per game in his last seven playoff games. Last week, on you know the Believe Podcast Network, I turned around and with Sports Garden a production, I gave that as my best bet. I didn't like any of the games. I gave my best bet, Travis Kelsey, over 81 yards prop play. I love it, and I kind of love it again here. It, he's almost unguardable. Now, a lot of that had to do with Jacksonville not being able to guard it, but I think it's the same situation here with Cincinnati. You look at what the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to do offensively. And offensively, you would love to sit back and say, yeah, the Chiefs have to run the ball. I mean... 
We could tell, talk about that about any team at any time in any game in the history maybe of the NFL. you got to be able to run the ball. And Pachenko is a pretty good runner. Uh, you do have McKinney coming out of the back. I mean, you have some spots. But as much as we want to say that Kansas City should run the ball, it would be smart for Kansas City to run the ball. Kansas City uh, makes a lot of sense to run the ball. As much as we can say all of that, the reality of the situation is they just don't, guys. Okay? They flat out don't. Now, they have different ways. Their offense used to be, and a lot of people are talking about in the past, their offense used to be explosive offense. He sent Tyree Kill you know, in a flyer out or a, or a post pattern all the way out. You keep Kelsey underneath, and they got to make a decision one or the other. Well, they changed their entire offense this year, and this, this, this offense is now more slam patterns, more outs, more, more short yardage situations. They didn't run the ball when they had the opening of people chasing Tyreek down the hill. They're not running the ball now, but they almost don't have to. Jarek McKinnon is a guy, that little flip out. I talked about it with Christian McCaffrey in the last segment, that little flip out play. The 99, we used to go 99 and 98 back in my football days, right? Meaning the quarterback takes takes a snap, takes one step back, looks to the sidelines, and the guy is behind the line of scrimmage, but he catches the ball, and then you've got to create something. Kansas City does a lot of that. Kansas City does a lot of three- and five-yard slant patterns, right? A juju here, and you go over the, the course. And then you, you look at exactly the middle of the field where Travis Kelsey will be. Instead of running the ball, think about it like this. If, if you're in a third and three or a third and four, you're going to pass the ball. But if you're in a third and one, may, maybe you're not going to run the ball. Maybe a third and one. A five-yard stop pattern by Travis Kelsey. Don't you feel good about that? Don't you feel like that is your best objective to get the first down? I think Kansas City does, and I think that Andy Reid has shown that that's what he does. Cincinnati's defense has been fantastic. I mean, they they really have. They have stepped up. Uh, Lou Anamorello, um, who is a defensive coordinator that people just don't know about, covered 67% of his opponent's dropbacks last uh, week. That was the best all year. Okay, so, I mean, he has just revitalized this defense. The defense, look, doesn't have soft spots. Can you pick on Eli Apple? Maybe. Maybe you used to be able to pick on him. Sure, maybe, uh, but hasn't been the case recently. So I think Kansas City is going to have offensive success because of Andy Reid. I think that Kansas City will have offensive success because of Patrick Mahomes. I think that they will have offensive success because they're Kansas City. But... I don't think that we're looking at, you know, a blowout all of a sudden, go up and down the field and go crazy kind of situation. Maybe it's because of the game plan. Maybe it's because of short yardage and what they do in those slant patterns. And maybe it's because Patrick Mahomes' ankle is a little bit banged up. All of those maybes come into a position where you look at this and you go, okay, Kansas City, you're going to have to stop Joe Burrow. You're going to have to stop the Cincinnati offense. You're going to have to win this up front, and you're going to have to win this in a position where, yes, you are going to have to win this with a lot of defense. Could I see a game where it's 45-42 and they win? Sure, but I think the defenses have to at least slow Joe Burrow down, which they have not been able to do. Joe Burrow is 3-0 and on the road in the playoffs in the last 13 months, guys. He is Joe Cool for a reason. He's the new Joe Montana, Joe Cool. You see him in the snow doing the little flip out. He's got, you know, the crazy outfits, the cigars. He is that guy. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get phased. 3-0 on the road in the playoffs the last 13 months it speaks to that. He's also 3-0 in head-to-head matchups against Patrick Mahomes. By the way, that's in a year and a half. In the last year and a half, he has faced Patrick Mahomes three times. He has beat Mahomes 
more importantly, he has beaten this Chiefs defense three times. We love to have the conversation about quarterback against quarterback. Oh, it's Mahomes against Burrow. Well, Mahomes will never be on the field defending Joe Burrow. It's not happening, guys, right? So in the last year and a half, it has been Burrow ripping up this defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. A defense of the Kansas City Chiefs, while you have Chris Joneses and you have Bolton, they are susceptible to big plays and they're susceptible to good quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's a good quarterback. 3-0, 72.2 completion percentage, 327.3 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception against this Kansas City defense. Because everybody else is going to tell you against what Patrick Mahomes did. 72.2 completion percentage against 67.3. 327.3 yards against 252.3. 8 to 1 touchdown percentage uh, to interception percentage against 6 to 2. Everyone's going to tell you against Mahomes. I'm telling you it's against a KC defense. Joe Burrow has the most playoff wins in his first three seasons in history, more than anybody else. Burrow has five. Big Ben and Russ have five. Mahomes has four. With this win, Joe Burrow becomes the first player to ever have six playoff wins in their first three years. He is big game Joe. And he's not only big game Joe, he's big half Joe. And that's where it really counts. And I'm talking about the second half of games. The second half against Kansas City, the second half against this KC defense, not against Patrick Mahomes, guys, against this KC defense, he is absolutely dominated. Now, I can give you the numbers against Patrick Mahomes because everybody wants to have the Burrow against Mahomes conversation. It's always going to drive everything. It's Burrow against Mahomes. Burrow against Mahomes, who do you want? Who's better? Who's the face of the franchise? Is this Brady Manning? It's always going to be that. But it's really Joe Burrow against this defense. In the second half of the last three head-to-head matchups between Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs defense, Joe Burrow has 77 completion percentage, 57 for Mahomes. 560 passing yards, 254 for Mahomes. 10 yards per pass attempt, under 6 for Mahomes. 4 to 1 TD ratio, 0 to 2 for Patrick Mahomes, and a rating of 124.1 to 54.5. So, what does that speak to? That speaks to not only Joe Burrow, which we're going to give all the praise to, but also Zach Taylor. Speaks to Zach Taylor making adjustments at the half. And I know that a lot of controversy came out where Manning came out and, and the Manning brothers said, well, we don't make adjustments at the half. We went in, we uh, had a drink, and we didn't have any time. and We didn't make adjustments at the half. Maybe you didn't, but the coaching staff certainly has. And I heard a lot of brushback from coaching staff. Yeah, yeah, we make adjustments. Of course you do. You're making adjustments. Forget about it at the half. You're making adjustments in-game if you're the coaching staff. So, you know what? Maybe you don't. Maybe a quarterback doesn't make adjustments. But their coaching staff and play calling does. So I have to give credit to Zach Staley there. Well, we could reap all kinds of credit on Andy Reid. And he is moving up the list of all-time greatest coaches of all time. If Andy Reid won the Super Bowl this year, you will start to hear the groundswell that he's the greatest coach of all time. You're going to start to hear that. But Zach Taylor, who I have been not a fan of once he walked into the league, has proven time and time again he knows what to do specifically offensively. I've thought for two years, two years now, that the Cincinnati Bengals were a fun team. I have always liked what Joe Burrow brought to the table. I have always liked everything about Joe Burrow. 
I have liked this Cincinnati team generally. I mean, Eli Apple with these moron comments this week got me a little upset, but I've generally liked the Cincinnati team. But the one thing that I always continued to say was I believed that their offensive line for two years running now would be their undoing. Joe Burrow last year got sacked more than any other quarterback, yet they went to the Super Bowl. And I said, that's a fluke. They can't keep doing that. You can't keep getting this guy hit, getting this guy pressure, having the pressure in his face, and continue to march on. This year, same concerns before the year. I said, no way. The Rams aren't making the, 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 the playoffs. Cincinnati's not even making the playoffs. I don't like either one of them. They're both going to regress. Why? Because I didn't like their offensive line. And then I watched Jonah Williams go down. I lose, watched them lose three of their five starting offensive linemen before the Buffalo game. And I said, oh, man, going up against that pass rush. Once again, their offensive line has to be their undoing. But last week in Joe Burrow's 39 dropbacks, the backup to Jonah Williams-Carmen allowed just one pressure on Joe Burrow. Let me read that again. One pressure on Joe Burrow. That was it, guys. You start to look at the Cincinnati team, and you can't look at them like we normally do. You can't look at the Cincinnati team like we have every other team in the past. Because however they're getting it done, they are game planning against pressure, against weak offensive line play. Their offensive line play has been weak for two years. Now, you will have moments when a guy like Carmen steps up and does well. And the people from Buffalo are going to yell and scream. They didn't have their starting defensive linemen in there. Absolutely, you're right. People from Buffalo are going to yell and scream, and they're going to scream to the high hills. Well, you can't really get off as a defensive player in the snow. You're absolutely right. Doesn't matter. Cincinnati's playing with three backup uh, offensive linemen. They're missing their best offensive linemen a week ago, and the guy had a fantastic Carmen. had a great game. A great game. So what's to say that Kansas City with not a great pass rush, it's going to be able to do anything different here. What's to say that Kansas City is going to be able to do anything different? Here's why. Because we've watched Kansas City step up on the pass rush time and time again. We've also watched that Joe Burrow has never won a game when he's gotten sacked five times. Now, five's a lot, but he just doesn't. Joe Burrow needs to be protected in this game. Can they do it two, day, two games in a row? Can they do it two games in a row with no snow, maybe benefiting the offensive lineman? So we start to break this game down and looking at it from a handicapping standpoint. This was a coin flip game all day, every day for me. I mentioned that at the top. Now, all of a sudden, the groundswell is Cincinnati's going to win. Everyone's loving Cincinnati. Guys, I'll be the sucker in the room. And I don't know if I'm taking this guy. I don't think I'm giving a game out this weekend. I'm not sure. But I'll be the sucker in the room. If this line gets to three, I just flat out cannot pass up Patrick Mahomes at home in a playoff game plus three points. I cannot do it. You could tell me that it's Joe Burrow's time. Tell me that Joe Burrow's going to be the man. And yeah, maybe he will. But from a betting perspective, I can't pass it up. And while I did like the under in the first game, I think you almost have to like the under in this game as well. Yeah, this could be explosions. This could be fireworks. This could be everything. But if Mahomes is a little bit off, it's going under. Right? If Mahomes is banged up, I'm not even talking about his bad play. Maybe they call more running plays. Maybe they want to keep Burrow off the field. And I think it's the same thing for Cincinnati. As much as you have faith in Joe Burrow, and they have utmost faith in Joe Burrow, don't you kind of want to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field? If you have a lead, don't you want to run Joe Mixon all day? So it's a game plan thing. Here we go once again. I kind of lean the under. I do like Kelsey. 
over catches over yards. I don't think he's getting 13, 14 catches like last week. Probably not over 100 yards, but sitting 79 or 80. I like that. I think Pacheco could have a nice game. I think Jared McKinnon has a couple of catches. I see the catches for him at two and a half, three. Okay, you could go over three. He's going to get four there. I kind of like that. Um, I don't love the Burrow prop plays, although he could go off. But my biggest play of this weekend is a Joe Burrow prop. I got it at Caesars. I got this on Monday. Minus 165 to go over one and a half touchdown passes. I just don't believe that they even care to run the ball once they get inside the 10-yard line. I think that Joe Burrow gets two touchdowns. I think Cincinnati gets two touchdowns. Joe Burrow right now has a chance to cement his place as the face of the NFL, overtaking Patrick Mahomes. He does. But he's got to do what he's done three times before, and he's got to do it in a hostile environment. And if he does that, he's going to get me my money. All right, guys. Let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to to the future. All right, guys. Let's go bet to the future. When we're talking about the future... Let's really talk about the future. I have Super Bowl 2024 odds in front of me. Well, without barring any draft things that are happening and any movements of quarterbacks, I still have them in front of me. Kansas City, plus 550. Everyone still believes Mahomes and Reed are the still dominant duo. Buffalo comes in at plus 550 as well as the co-favorites. San Francisco is 7-1, Cincinnati is 10-1, the Eagles are 10-1, Dallas Cowboys 12-1, Chargers 25-1, Ravens 28-1, Packers 30-1, Jaguars 35-1, Lions 35-1, and the Bucks 35-1. That is bet to the future. I guess it's never too early to look at next year's Super Bowl. I, I say it all the time. I always grab a long shot to win the Super Bowl um, literally right after the Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl, I grab it. And I know that there's going to be quarterbacks moving around. I know there's going to be big players for agency. And it's gotten increasingly harder as the years have gone on. I know draft things are going to happen. I get it. But I try to grab a line uh, that I feel like I have a favorable line. I got burned this year. I grabbed 25-1 to on the Baltimore Ravens. And I figured at the time, and I, I explained that on the air, I figured that Lamar Jackson would be signed. I thought he would be happy. I thought that there's no way that they would uh, let him go to the franchise tag. And as the weeks went on and the months went on and we got into July, I came out on the air and I said, I don't feel good about that bet. (laughs) Right? Right before the season, I said, I don't feel good about that bet. So sometimes it burns you, but you take a long shot. There's no value in taking the Chiefs or the Bills at plus 550. I don't think there's value in San Francisco at 7-1. to Cincinnati 10 to 1. I mean, are they building a dynasty very potentially? I don't even like the 10 to 1 with them or the Philly or the Eagles. Same thing with Dallas at 12 to 1. Not sure about that team makeup. People will be all over the Chargers because of what they could be, but I expect them, uh, you know, to stay with the same coach who I don't believe in their coach and generally to have the same team, which has failed year after year. Baltimore, again, Lamar Jackson might be out of town. Green Bay 30 to 1. Uh, Aaron Rodgers might be out of town. Uh, the Detroit Lions, I think it's a big leap to say non-playoff to Super Bowl champion. Tampa Bay Bucks, no, I don't see that. You go through the teams, the teams I didn't mention. The Patriots could be worth a dice roll. If you believe Miami's going to stay healthy, Miami makes a little bit of sense. There's going to be people on Cleveland, that's for sure. You know, the Deshaun Watson conversation will be out there. Pittsburgh is not a terrible choice. If you believe that defense can stay intact, you believe their young offensive players can, can move up. But again, 
do I see Kenny Pickett winning the Super Bowl next year and kind of lifting that trophy? No, I don't see that. You go to like the Giants, eh, they'll have a better, you know, they're, they're growing, but no, I don't think so. Minnesota, I mean, are they going to have a better opportunity than this year? No. Uh, I think the Panthers will be better and New Orleans will be better in a weak division, but I don't see them doing anything. The Rams are intriguing if they stay healthy, but I, I don't know if I could count on them being healthy. So the one team I would take a shot at, I think, is the Jacksonville Jaguars at 35-1. to 1. Look, I know I've been all over the Jags, but you know a couple of things with the Jags. You know Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Uh, you know that Doug Peterson's coming back. You know they have a full year under their belt to get better. You also know that besides Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne, who got another year under their belt, they're also getting Calvin Ridley back in a division that should be very winnable for them. So... I mean, look, we're, we're two weeks out. Things can change in the next two weeks. But I think I'm going to probably be on the Jaguars. 35 to 1? Eh, look, it's worth a couple hundred bucks, right? I, I mean, why not? You throw, throw two, $300 on it. You, you have a, just a great opportunity. You have a hedging opportunity. And that's what I look at. When I, when I look at you know these situations, these long shot situations, these long shot future plays, it's not that I'm looking at it and saying, okay, here's who I want to win the Super Bowl, who I think is going to win the Super Bowl. It's how can I hedge? And I look at a team and I go, okay, if they're going to make the playoffs, I think Jacksonville has a really good shot to make the playoffs, right? I think they have a really good shot to win that division. And if they're going to have a good shot to win that division and make the playoffs, well, I could hedge my bet. So that makes some sense. Real quick, uh, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers might be out of town. Adam Scheffler's been reporting that Green Bay is looking to maybe trade Aaron Rodgers. But he said it's a very real scenario, quote, unquote, in the offseason. We know this. It's the Rodgers, look at me, offseason, every season. I mean, that, that's that's what we look at. This is what, what it is. But it is, the writing is on the wall. It makes some sense. Rodgers came out. Pat McAfee show said sort of the same thing. Here's the problem. There are teams here that will just not give up what they're asking. Green Bay wants at least two firsts. Okay. He is... A $40.7 million cap hit for 2023, which is ridiculous, okay? He's a $48.3 million cap hit over the next two years combined for somebody that's only going to get two years out of Rodgers. Rodgers is 39 years old. He's got a two-year contract. This isn't the guy that's going to play until he's 45. He's just not going to do it, okay? With all that said, right, because remember, his cap numbers are 15.79 in 2023 and 32.54 in 2024, Okay. The teams, with all that being said, there are teams going out there. Maybe Carolina in a rebuild, yeah, if they get the right coach. Maybe a Detroit. Yeah, that could be interesting, right, if they feel like they're a quarterback away. Who else is a quarterback away? Maybe Miami, although they've been tied to Brady. Is Baltimore a quarterback away? Well, if they trade Lamar Jackson, maybe. You giving up two firsts, though, for Aaron Rodgers? I'm not sure. And then you bring up the New York Jets. They are, and they feel like they're a quarterback away. They are a destination where Brett Favre landed there. Their destination for, uh, let's just say, you know, kind of over the over the rainbow kind of quarterbacks, right? Hasbins. Uh, they are have already been having conversations with Woody Johnson. Has said he wants him. Joe Namath said he'd give him his number. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of smoke. And where there's a smoke, there is often fire. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the New York Jets. But I think that's his his one destination. You could tell me the Raiders, and I know the Raiders will make a push, and the Devontae Adams situation, but do the Raiders really feel like they could give up two first-rounders and take that cap hit? I, I mean, it makes some sense. you got to put the Raiders in there. 
but I think of all the teams out there, of every team that we're talking about, yeah, I, he, I I don't see the Detroit's. I don't see him going to Washington. I mean, he might want to, but I don't see him. I, I mean, they might want him, but I don't think he wants to go to Washington. Uh, the one team that might make sense is the New York Jets. He gets to go into a division where, you know, he gets to play in a spot in New York where the spotlight will be on him. He has now started to love the media attention. If he ever won in New York, they would erect a statue, like, right right in the middle of uh, Penn Station for him, right? I mean, it would be ridiculous what this team would do for him if he ever got the championship. Now, does he think that they're a championship team? I think you, you look at the parts and it's good. I don't think he believes it's a championship team. I'm not sure where Aaron Rodgers goes. I'm not sure if he leaves. Once again, we're in the questioning Aaron Rodgers phase of the offseason. Same thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady on his podcast this week said, basically, if I effing knew where I was going to go, I effing, what I would do, I effing would have already told you what I would have done. I mean, you know, so he's a little annoyed. But we're going to go through the Brady and Rodgers saga once again as they sort of tarnish their images here at the end of their careers. All right, guys, enjoy the weekend. Next time we talk, we're going to have a Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, next week we're going to have a Super Bowl matchup. We'll talk about the uh, the game itself. We'll get into some college basketball, start transitioning into that. Lots of things to do next week. But for this week, enjoy the games. J- jump on those prop plays and really enjoy the fo- best four teams in the NFL s- taking place to see who's going to be the best team in the NFL. It's a great situation. I'm Tom Barton for a wagering week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.